Kind of an interesting little scene there of two angels on a city rooftop having that kind of conversation. I like the lines in that when the one angel says, yeah, they're broken and they're messed up, but he ends it with, but he thinks they're worth it. And I'm so glad that God thinks that we're worth it. And uh, we've been in this series here in the Advent season of something called the Unlikely Vessels. And we've been talking about broken people, people who are broken, broken like me and broken like you. And perhaps you're sitting here right now and you think, well, I don't think I'm, I'm broken. I've got my life going pretty good. You know, I got it all together and I'm glad that you feel that way. And I'm going to walk through a few things tonight to help us understand, though, that in every human heart, there's a brokenness that needs repaired. No matter what you think, God came to fix broken people because they're worth it. And in this series, we've been looking at people that are in Jesus' genealogy. And I'm going to tell you right now, these people are broken and messed up. And yet God somehow takes their life and their story and weaves it into something that has value. And so we look at this tonight, these unlikely vessels. We're not so much going to talk about people that are in the genealogy of Jesus, but in a moment when we were planning this Christmas Eve service, there were things that were coming to me instantly that would be unlikely vessels. We've been talking about people, but two unlikely vessels came to my mind when I think of Christmas Eve and the Christmas story. And I entitled this message, the cradle, and the cross. Now, a vessel is something that would carry something. And in tonight's message, it's actually carrying someone. So I'm going to walk through these things, but before we do, I just want to ask that you would pray with me. And we're going to just invite the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and lives. So would you bow your heads and pray with me at this time? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this night and Lord, we are in awe and wonder of this Christmas story, the story of your birth, Jesus. The richness that this brings this time of year and a reminder that there is hope even for those who are broken. And we thank you for this time together. We ask for your blessing and your anointing over this message and this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So with this vessel in mind and this theme and understanding, Jesus came to this earth and his earthly mom and dad placed him in a feeding trough. Isn't that something? I don't know, you know, these days you can go to an OB and oftentimes you can go up to the nursery window, you can tap on the door, and there's all those babies in those feeding troughs. This just seems like an unlikely vessel to place this child, and we know there wasn't room for them in the end, but there was a place out back that just so happened to be where some of the animals were, and so this unlikely vessel, this feeding trough, turns into a manger. It turns into this cradle. For the Son of God. 
In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, this was read tonight by one of the kids. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I want to break a couple things down from a website called Got Questions in regards to the manger and this feeding trough. Surely God's son deserved a high-profile birth in the most elegant of surroundings. Tonight we sang about the king of kings. And you think about it, if a president or a king was going to have a baby... You'd have all kinds of cameras. You'd have all kinds of staff making sure that this child would be well taken care of. And Jesus, who's the king of kings, doesn't necessarily come in all high profile. Instead, God's own son made his appearance on earth in the lowliest of circumstances. This humble birth conveys an amazing message to all creation that a transcendent God, a God who is above all, comes to this earth to be with people. Instead of coming to the earth as a pampered, privileged ruler, Jesus was born into meekness as one of us. He's approachable, he's accessible, available. There's no palace gates that bar the way to Him, no ring of guards that prevents us from being able to approach. The King of Kings came humbly, and His first bed was a manger. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about how Jesus left heaven and came to this earth. You imagine what one moment would be like in heaven? Just one moment. All your thoughts about the earth, they're gone. You're in heaven. Jesus left heaven to come to this sinful earth. And Philippians says that though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And so instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born of a human being. Leaving heaven, spending nine months inside of Mary. I'm sure that was real comfortable. And then once he's out breathing the air that you and I breathe, the manger is his bed. That passage shifts from this scene of the manger to a scene that would happen 33 years later. But before I read that, I want us to consider the song, What Child Is This? Perhaps you've heard this song, What Child Is This? Who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. And haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. Now that's verse 1, but it shifts gears in verse 2. We almost see a picture of the future 
but would come 33 years later. Why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. Nail, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be borne for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. On that night when Jesus was born, the Bible says that He came to this earth to save sinners, to save people from their sin. And here's how He had to do that. And I'm going to continue that passage in Philippians 2. It says that when Jesus appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The cross was a tool of execution for those who were guilty of something. The Bible tells us that the life of a creature is in their blood. And in the Old Testament, when people would try to atone for their sins, they would go to the temple and they would sacrifice the life of a creature to atone for their sin. And Jesus was not a criminal he was perfect, he was innocent, and he went to the cross to shed his blood to pay the penalty and the price for sin for once and for all. Colossians 1 says that, And through Jesus God reconciled everything unto himself, and he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So we talk about unlikely vessels. Here comes this conquering king. He comes into the world in a manger, and he's going to exit the world on a tool of execution, a cross, making peace with everything. So to make peace with something, it means there was an issue. There was something wrong. And the Bible's very clear that there is something called the curse of sin. And at the beginning, when God created everything, it was good. There was no curse of sin. You know, what's really interesting about this is there was no death. There was no pain. There was no heartache. There was no disease. There was none of that. But when sin entered into the world, the curse comes with it. And Jesus came to do something about that curse. Galatians 3 tells us that Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. And when he hung on a cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Jesus took our sin upon himself, upon that tool of execution to pay the penalty and the price for sin. 1 Peter 2 says that Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that you and I, so that we can be dead to sin and we can live for what is right. As I continue to read in Galatians, you know, we talk about cursed is the one who hung on the tree. Jesus did that for you 
and for me. And the verse continues and says, Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. The manger is an unlikely vessel. The cross is an unlikely vessel. But I'm going to add one more tonight that should change the way we live our life, the way we see and worship God. Because of what He did, God says, I'm going to give you my spirit. You're going to receive my spirit. And in Galatians 4, the Bible says, At just the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent Him to buy freedom for us. So that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. You know what the other unlikely vessel is? It's us. The Bible says that we can receive God into our hearts. A manger, a cross, and inside of us. Does that not blow you away? I mean, think about that. The creator of all wants to take up residence in your life. No matter how broken you are, no matter the things you've done, He wants to be in your life. That's why He came. Like that video said, they're worth it. And while people around you or the world around you might say, this seems worthless, God says, I can do something with that. I want to live inside of that individual, and I want to do amazing things in their life. We're going to start to close this message, and we're going to end with a song of response. No matter what we've done, no matter the situation we might be in, you think, how could God ever want me with all the things that I've done? This song's going to talk about that. And putting a little spin on maybe a Christmas carol you've heard before, this song is called, O Come, All You Unfaithful. How many of you have ever been unfaithful? You going to raise your hand with me? Okay, some of you, this message just wasn't for you then, okay? You've been faithful all the days of your life. God bless you. Merry Christmas. I think we've all been unfaithful. There's things in our heart that are wicked. We might think we're good people, but here's the deal. Sin is offensive to God. And God wants to do something about that. And we think, well, God wants to just take me out. That's not the God I know. He wants to work with you. Take that sin out of the equation 
and use these vessels, us, to the glory of God. So as we get ready to hear this song, I also want to take a moment here and dismiss Ignite students as we prepare for our final song of the evening. But Ignite students, you're welcome to head back to the West Fellowship Hall. And Angie, would you come forward and sing this song of response?
You know, the Bible says in Colossians 1, it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. Christ in us. You know, Emmanuel means God with us, but you think about this. As we're unlikely vessels and God lives in us, it's not just God with us, it's God within us. So just like Galatians talked about receiving Christ into your heart, a question that I think needs to be asked is that perhaps there's something I said tonight where you can't think of a moment in your life when you received Christ, just like I talked about. Hear me, God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of your life. You're not too broken for Him to be a part of your life. We talk about Jesus dying on a cross to pay the penalty and the price for sin, but the Bible is very clear. We have to receive that. You must do something with Jesus. What are you going to do? I want to lead us in a time of prayer as we close this message. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son to this earth. This was not a king that was too lofty for us to reach. Because this king came down and extended a hand of grace toward us. And Father, in this moment, perhaps there's someone listening that you can't think of a time in your life when you asked Christ into your life. I want to lead that individual in a prayer to receive. Jesus. Before you receive him, understand that he is the only one who can take care of your issue of sin. And so as I lead you, understand that as we come to Christ, we're going to ask for forgiveness of that sin. If you desire that tonight, just pray with me in your heart. Just say, Jesus, Tonight I desire to receive you. Tonight I want to put my faith and trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. And tonight I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I give to you my brokenness. And I ask that you cleanse me, heal me, and make me new. Tonight I receive you by grace through faith. And I thank you for this gift of salvation. I receive you into my heart. Thank you for coming to live in me even though I'm an unlikely vessel. Father, we thank you for this moment where 
people maybe prayed that prayer with me right now. And I pray, Father, that you would make that step of faith, that decision here tonight to receive you, make that so real in their life. And I pray for a blessing on these individuals, upon their homes, and we ask for your grace. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, folks, if there's somebody tonight...